0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, September 26, 2021. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. As you're singing that song, I was just thinking about the countless millions of people all across the world who do not know the gospel, and the great joy that we have this morning in the gospel, and that we desire that for them, to see these people be transformed from darkness into light. Let the nations be glad. Let the peoples rejoice. Do we want that for these people, that they would receive the same things that we've received in the gospel of grace, that they would sing praises and rejoice around the throne one day? I pray that it would be so of us. Our Lord and Savior is so gracious that we can gather here this morning without fear of persecution or ridicule, Um, and we get to open up and learn from his most glorious word. I give a lot of credit and inspiration this morning of this sermon to John Piper, specifically from his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. I would encourage you to read that book and learn more about this subject. Um, And so, in no way is this sermon a representation of, that I've fully mastered this topic or this discipline of praying for the nations. I believe this summer I was m- more curious about what God truly teaches about prayer specifically for the nations. And this is what I learned and I'm continuing to grow in. And so I hope you're excited to join me in this process of learning what God has to teach us about praying. And so the sermon title this morning is faithful prayer that glorifies God. Among the nations, faithful prayer that glorifies God among the nations. And so my prayer is that God would open our hearts this morning to desire to be obedient to the commands He has clearly given us in His word, namely, that we would give our lives as a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord in how we go to the nations and how we send to the nations, and ultimately, how we pray for His glory to be spread across the entire Earth. And so before we even start, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to help us. Um, And we're also going to pray for some people who are unreached by the gospel. This morning we will be praying for the Pashtun people in the northern United States. These people have come from Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India. And it says there's about 150,000 that are unreached by the gospel and that number will just continue to grow as immigrants come as refugees. And so, let's go to the Lord to pray and ask him to save these people and help us this morning. Heavenly Father, we just come to you. Lord, you are so holy. You are so gracious. You are perfect, sinless. You have all power. And Lord, we are so sinful. Oftentimes, our, our thoughts and actions, they are so against you and, and so, so awful. And so we come, Lord, and we ask that you would humble us, Lord, that as we see your holiness, that you would draw us low um, to be able to fulfill the things that you've called us to be obedient in. Lord, I pray that this morning you would teach us by your holy word, that you would remove me out of the way, and that your spirit would just speak to us this morning, that we would be informed of how we can grow and, and be convicted of our sins and, and desire more of you in our lives. Lord, and we're just burdened over the 150,000 Pashtun people and, and these people that are just growing daily as, as immigrants and refugees and they're unreached by the gospel. Lord, I just pray that you would look upon your sacrifice at the cross and that you would save these people for your glory. God, that you'd even use us in, in some way as there are even postured people in Charlotte and, and there are peop- more people coming, that we would be bold to proclaim the gospel and to pray for salvation for these people. But I pray that you'd raise up workers to go to them and, and proclaim the gospel to them. So Lord, again, we just ask for help. Would you teach us this morning? We pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. So, this morning we have two points. I'm trying to keep it a little short. Two points. The first one is we are called to trust the promise that God will save people from the nations. God will save people from the nations, and we trust this promise. And because of that, we can pray in confidence. Point two we can pray in confidence knowing that God will save and complete his mission. So we are called to trust a promise that God will save his people from the nations and so we can pray in confidence knowing that God will save and complete his mission. So we're going to go to an introduction, work through these two points, and then we're going to go to some applications and results of prayer. So let's think about war for a minute. And war is often a scary thought for me. I've never been in war, but I've seen some movies. And so let's think about family in war. Like the parents willingly give up their young men and then those men go and they get some minimal training and they're shipped off to a foreign land that they have never known before. And then the remaining men, women, and children sacrifice the rest of all of what they have for the war effort. They ration out their food, oil, gas, and they work in factories all to make sure that the war is won. The mothers of the young men day and night pray that their children would be safe and that their cause would prevail in the face of evil. They do all of this and so much more. But why? It's because they believe in their cause, that this great sacrifice is worthy to fight evil and bring about good. And so in in the same type of way, this life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. And our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth that life is war. When Paul came to the end of his life, he said in 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 1 Timothy 6.12, he tells Timothy, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. Jesus said, Strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same... Oh, Jesus said, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Paul even compares the Christian life to a race and says, Every athlete strives and uses self-control in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it to obtain an imperishable one. And there are so many more verses I won't even mention this morning. I would encourage you to check out chapter two of "Let the Nations Be Glad" by John Piper. But it's vitally important that you know that this life is war. And if you understand this reality, then we can understand how to best live this life to the glory of the Father. We are not called to comfort or success, but we are called to obedience. This life is not about getting hours in the world and being done. It's about striving to honor and glorify the one who has redeemed our souls. And I hope these words are very familiar to you. It's Jesus' last proclamation to his disciples, his great commission. Or in other words, Jesus gives his disciples a task, a mission to strive to do. Matthew 28:18 through 20. And Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a foundational understanding that all authority has been given to Christ. So now go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all the commands of Christ, and Jesus is always with us until the end of the age. So this is the great task that we all have been given as believers, that God's glory, his magnificence, in the face of Jesus Christ would spread to all nations and all people in the confidence of his authority. Nothing can prevail against the church in this endeavor nothing can prevail against the church in this endeavor. And we are called to pray fiercely for this task to be accomplished. And so with this introduction in mind that life is war, let's move on to point one this morning. So we are called to trust a promise that God will save people from the nations. We're going to specifically be in John chapter 10 if you'd like to turn there. We're also going to float around a little bit. um, Beginning in Genesis chapter 3. But at the beginning of the Bible, we observe some very important moments happening. First, we see the triune God creating everything, and it was created perfectly. God's plan was to have man rule over the earth, and ultimately that God's glory would spread to the ends of the earth as Adam and Eve had children and their offspring covered the earth. But we know that man was tempted to pridefully be like God and not follow God's commands, which are best for them. Adam then disobeyed and desired to be the king and ruler of his own life instead of trusting what God had for them. And from this first sin, the original sin, we see God giving us a promise. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And then here's the promise. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel foreshadowing the coming of Jesus, even in chapter 3, the first, first couple chapters of the Bible. And so at this moment, in Genesis chapter 3, because of Adam's sin before a holy God, all of humanity rightfully deserves eternal punishment and torment in hell because of their sin nature against the holy God. So in the face of what we all deserve, God himself graciously takes on to save his people we need saving and god gives us a promise to save with his very first announcement of his redemptive design for a messianic deliverer in saying that there was a descendant and an offspring from whom satan deceived that ultimately will overcome satan and his influence in this world so this is so important to our understanding in the gospel this morning. from the very beginning of time, God's plan was for his glory to spread throughout all the earth by relationship with people. And now we see the promise of Christ coming to redeem fallen humanity from the very beginning of scripture as well. So God's continual plan is for his glory to spread to all the earth now through redeemed humanity, namely Christians. God is now having his glory spread throughout all the earth by Christians and churches. And these churches are representatives of God's glory throughout the whole earth. And now seeing this this promise, this promise from the very beginning that God desired to save people and spread his glory throughout all the earth, we come to another promise in John chapter 10, 14 through 18. And there's so many more promises throughout the Bible that we aren't even going to look at. Let's read John chapter 10, 14 through 18. It says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. One shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And this is the great missionary text of John's gospel. And this promise is filled with great hope and power. It means that Christ has people besides those already converted. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Meaning that there are others in this world who are not yet Christians that Christ will call to himself to be saved. God chooses who will belong to his sheep. And they're already God's before Jesus calls them. John six thirty seven says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This is the great promise that whenever we go into foreign lands where the gospel is not known, whenever we go to the Pashtun people in the United States and they have not known the gospel, whenever we share the gospel with people, Christ already has people who are his. We know that faith comes by hearing the word preached, but how will they hear without somebody preaching? So we have great hope because we do we know that we do not go into the nations or send to the nations in vain, but that there will be people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, represented in heaven, before the throne by God's gracious salvation through Jesus. So entrusting these two promises, that God will save people from the nations, for his glory, We we will then be fueled to pray faithfully for God's plan to be accomplished. So point number two this morning. We can pray in confidence, knowing that God will save and complete his mission. Looking at Ephesians chapter 6, John chapter 15. But I'm going to quote John Piper from his book in a minute here because it's so beautifully said. He says, God does not put his gospel and his people in the world And leave them to wage war on their own. He, God, is the main combatant. And the battle is to be fought in a way that gives God the glory. This is why God has ordained prayer to have such a crucial place in the mission of the church. The purpose of prayer is to make clear to all the participants in this war that the victory belongs to the Lord prayer is God's appointed means of bringing grace to us and glory to himself. This is crystal clear in Psalm 5015. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Later in the chapter, John Piper says, Jesus had told his disciples, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that it, brings, that it may bring my Father glory in the Son. In other words, the ultimate purpose of prayer is that the Father would be glorified. So then how do we glorify Jesus? Well, he gives the answer in John 15:7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So we pray. We ask God to do for us through Christ what we can't do for ourselves, which is to bear much fruit. Then verse 8 gives us the result. By this my Father is glorified that you would bear much fruit. So how is God glorified by prayer? Prayer is the open admission that without God we can do nothing. And prayer is turning away from ourselves to God in the confidence that he will provide the help that we need. Prayer also humbles us as needy and exalts God as the all-sufficient, the missionary task advances by prayer. The chief end of God is to glorify God. He will do just that. He will glorify himself, that his purpose may be complete, the nations worshiping him. In prayer, we rightfully exalt God to the position that only he can hold, the savior and the worker of salvation to all who are being saved. Paul in Ephesians, after exhorting them to take on the full armor of God for battle, tells them to pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So Paul encourages them to keep alert with all perseverance, to pray for Christians and also for himself, that he may preach the gospel boldly. He gives us this example, and we are called to pray faithfully for Christians to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We have unshakable confidence in our God. And so for a little bit here, I'm just going to read scriptures that embody this, that we have confidence in our God. Psalm 115.3 says, God does all that he pleases. Job 42.2, no purpose of his can be thwarted. Daniel 4.35, none can stay his hand. God says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? And God continues to name off things that only he can do, because he alone is all-powerful. John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Romans 8:31: "If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will He not also with Him, graciously, give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised and who is at, at the right hand of God? For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. From these verses, we have unshakable confidence that we are God's and he will fulfill his purposes. No matter what happens tomorrow He is sitting on his throne ruling. And there is not one rogue molecule outside or in this universe that is outside the will and control of God. And this gives us great hope, knowing all things work out for the good of those who are called according to God's purpose. Nothing is meaningless in this life. Nothing. All things, even hard trials, have a purpose in this life and are doing something. In the Gospel of Matthew, later in chapter 6, we see Jesus talking about God's sovereignty. He tells his disciples that the lilies of the field are clothed with more splendor than Solomon in all of his glory. And he calls us to look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns to eat later, but yet God the Father feeds them. And so if he does all of this for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, will he not take care of our needs in the pursuit of righteousness? He will. Pastor John just talked about how God is a father to us. But have you ever really thought what that means? Like, what does it really mean that God is our father? Well, he is a gracious, loving father to us. He loves for us to come and be needy before him. Who is harsh with their own son or daughter? Who in here is harsh with their own son or daughter? No. If you have children, you love your children. You love when your children come to you and they ask for help. Or children, you love when you come to your parents and they will help you. In the same kind of way, God our Father loves when we come to him With our needs. He loves when we draw near and ask him for help. So is there anyone in here hurting this week? Anyone had any trials or troubles this week? Has anyone had any times where they feel like they just can't move forward? Like the weight of this life or sin just weighs so heavily upon you? Or maybe there are things going on in your family, or maybe in your marriage it's been hard to endure with sacrificial love or it's been hard to be patient with your kids, if you've experienced any of these things and more this week, I would ask you in all seriousness, how much time have you spent with God on your knees in prayer? How much time? How many times this week have you been still and known that He is Lord? Have you ran to Him with your burdens and asked for help? God alone Can help us in this life. He brings true peace in Christ that surpasses all understanding. And if we run to anything else besides the love of the Father, we find nothing and continue carrying our own burdens. All other things are sinking sand. So maybe you have ran to the Lord this week in some things, or maybe not. So I just ask you why? Why not? Why have we not ran to the Lord with our burdens? I would say pride. Pride is the root of all evil in our lives. Pride is where the first man fell trying to be like God instead of depending on God. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The first action of salvation for the believer and a continual action for the believer is being humiliated before God. You realize that God is so holy. He is so perfect. He is so sinless, and we are not. Humility is that open admission and crying out to God, saying, Father, I am so sinful. I am so worldly. Little have I considered you in my days and my ways. I need help. Lord, please forgive me and save me. That's humility. It's as simple as that, that we come to the Lord, the open admission that we are wholly dependent on, on God and need to be saved from ourselves. If today you're sitting here and you cannot say with full confidence in your heart before God and before other men on this earth that Jesus Christ is your life, I would ask you to repent. Like, please repent. But what does that mean? Repentance is just a term for turning away from something And moving to something greater. So repentance in the Christian life is turning away from your sinful nature, turning away from your sinful lifestyle, turning away from your sinful thoughts and actions and turn to the holy God who has given his son to forgive your sinful soul. Church, make Christ your life. There is nothing greater than to know that you can rest in the sovereign hands of God secure for all of your days. Jesus alone saves. Trust him. Run to him. Rest in him. And don't spend another moment away from his grace and mercy, which has been offered at the cross. This morning, we have just barely tasted the vastness there is in the Bible on prayer. For the Christian, I pray that this will stir your heart to desire to dive deep into learning more about praying for God's global cause to go forth, and that we would not grow weary in doing good in praying for the nations. We're almost done this morning. Um, Let's move on to some practical applications and results of prayer. First application, we must seek to understand that this life is war, and then we will battle in prayer. So what does that look like for our lives today? We live in a world that is saturated with being filled by entertainment and pleasure. Our culture's entire goal is for your belly to be filled with the finest lusts and things that this world has to offer. Often our hearts, often in our hearts, we know the countless hours that we have spent on Netflix this week, or scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, or working on our golf game, or just so many other things. These are just examples. And I believe if you look over your past week, you look over your past month or past months since we started 2021, you should be able to see the things which take priority in your life. So I'll just ask you, what was your priority these past months? If you come to realize that this life is war, then we will live these short years on earth differently. We are called to be different. We will orient our families, schedules, finances, work, school, and leisure all around how we can best give to the war effort of God's glory spreading to the nations. So seek to understand that God gives us a role in this war. He doesn't give us a line of communication to him. He doesn't give us prayer so that we might ask for more comforts on this earth, that our houses or cars would get bigger but he has given us prayer to align our hearts with his mission. He is doing something so much greater than giving more comforts to our American Christianity. He is saving people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, and we have a vital role to play in this mission. That's faithful prayer. So moving on to point number two. You said all these things what is our motivation in prayer? And at first, when I was thinking about what is our motivation in prayer, my heart went to kind of saying, yeah, we should pray, because what if one person believes in the gospel and you prayed for them? Like, that's a good thing, right? Yes. But I believe that God gives us a bigger reason to pray. He wants us to pray because in fervent, regular, consistent prayer, We find him there. He says, seek me and you will find me. So in our dependence, in our needing, in our weakness and humility, before the throne, God is there with you. He knows that our joy in this life will never be complete until all of our affections and desires are for him to be glorified in our lives and amongst the lives of those around us. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand pleasures forevermore. So I'd ask you, do you want your joy to be complete? Do you want your joy to be complete? Get on your knees and seek the Lord. We can only find rest in our Savior's gracious arms. And the help of in this life from God is consistent, faithful prayer. While I was overseas this summer, I saw the need for churches in the United States to be devoted to faithful prayer for missions and also specific missionaries they support. My first week I was there, so many realities I'd forgotten about the mission field smacked me right in the face. (laughs) Barely anyone speaks English. Specifically where I was at, it was very hot. Poverty was through the roof with average income, a good income, being $1,000 a year. And there are so many people who would ask favors of you or beg or are legitimately looking for work, and they can't find any. Then you have the spiritual side of things. 99% of the country is Muslim, meaning they follow the teachings of Islam, which heavily, heavily renounce Jesus as God in any capacity. And you quickly realize in this context That you cannot save anyone on your own efforts. We shared the gospel with so many people and again and again we heard the same objections that God is one, God cannot have a son, Jesus cannot be God. Along with all of those, these brothers and sisters serving overseas, they're just like you. They want to love their families well, they miss their extended family from home, they have issues, they're dealing with their kids, the kids get sick sometimes, the dad gets malaria, they're balancing ministry and life. They're just like you, wanting the same things in God, that they would live upright and holy lives before him. It's just in a different context with a different language around people who have a different culture from us. And on top of all that, these brothers and sisters are faithful in their churches they're faithfully discipling new believers, they're printing books to share with pastors all across West Africa, they're hosting conferences, they're driving to new villages to preach the gospel and plant new churches, and there's so much that I could go on about, but I hope you realize there is a lot that goes on overseas. It's often messy, just like our lives here with some different hardships, but we need to be praying for these people and for God's glory among the nations. So ultimately, we should pray for the glory of God to be done in these places. We know God will work from the scriptures we've seen, and you can pray in confidence that you are joining in on the war effort to see the greatest gift proclaimed in the darkest places. When you pray for these missionaries, it could be that the Lord uses something Specific in a missionary's time reading the word that day to encourage them to stay on the field instead of leaving. When you pray, it could be that the Lord heals another local believer or missionary from malaria. When you pray, it could be that the Lord opens a young English student's eyes and heart to understand the gospel for the first time and belief. When you pray, it could be that you send a text of encouragement to a believer on the field hey, I'm praying for you today. And that helps them get through some family problems they're dealing with or just a rough day of experiencing heat. We do not know the exact details the Father is working out when we pray, but when we pray for God's mission and His people, it is not meaningless. It is for a purpose, and He will be glorified in that. And you will find joy in being faithful in prayer. I saw so many encouraging things while I was overseas as well. The team I was with was faithful to preach the gospel. We preached to as many people who would listen. Often we just started the conversation with saying, are you a Muslim? I'm a Christian. A man who is a good friend of mine had been hearing the gospel for four years up to this point in my trip in 2019, the first time I'd went there. He'd come over to my house, we would eat food together, even one time, he brought a Jesus film to my house, and we watched it together. He knew the gospel. He knew the stories. But his aunt, who raised him, was like a mother to him. She was an Islamic teacher and was the right-hand man of the president in their religious endeavors. Earlier in 2020, she ended up passing away. And one month later, the Lord appointed for my friend to be baptized. He fully embraced the gospel in the Lord's timing, and took a huge leap in Muslim culture, which is baptism. When I came to his church this summer, it was so beautiful to see his heart change. When it came to prayer time, he said that he was thankful I was there and had come back to Africa to be with him. He was praying. He was leading kids in Bible stories. He was doing the work of the Lord right there in his town. Is a true blessing in my life to have seen the Lord do this transformative work in my friend's life. And there's so much more that happened while I was overseas, and if you have any questions, please feel free to come ask me after we're done here. So finishing up, I know that prayer is hard, and it'll take work, but nothing good in this life is ever easy. I know it's countercultural to pray and to give things up in our lives that we might pray, And so I want each of us in this room to find one person or one family per family in this church that is a member here and ask them to keep you accountable to praying weekly and daily for the nations. That every time you enter those doors, you would find them and you ask them how their prayer has been in this week. And even pray together for the nations as you enter this building together. Find them, pray with them and that this desire to pray for the nations, I pray it would just go to our home groups, that every time we gather, we would pray for the nations. I look forward to the day that because of our faithful going, sending, and praying, that one day people from Niger, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Russia, United States, and all the ends of the earth are standing around the throne, And they are proclaiming in joy, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And finally, our joy as well will be complete in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. Father, this is such a big task. Lord, it is so much bigger than us and our abilities. And so often we have failed, not even in praying for the nations, but just coming to you in prayer and spending time with you. Father, I pray that you would work in our lives, and that, that we would not be so selfish and so prideful to not come to you and ask for help on a continual, regular basis. Father, I pray that you would make our highest affections Christ alone, that you would work in our lives that we might be sensitive to the things in your gospel that you're teaching us. Lord, that we would even now just confess our sins before you, that we would repent of our sins, and that we'd continue on the way which you have called us, which brings true life. Father, help us to realize that this world is not our home, that we are just pilgrims passing through, and our home is a heavenly one which brings true joy. Nothing is meaningless in this life. Lord, I just pray that you continue to work in our lives and and draw us to you in continual, regular prayer and teach us. Lord, we thank you that you will save people from the nations and that you are working out all things for your glory. So we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan Y M C 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.